Um, again, is there anybody here um, who's a doer? Any doers here in the room? Seriously? Who is a doer? Let's be honest. All right, thank you. Um, if you guys didn't know, I haven't been around for a while. Some of you guys might not know who I am, and I just want to uh, start at the beginning and come forward. Uh, the last three months, I've been on a sabbatical. I'm going to talk to you about what I did, why I needed it, and what happened uh, to need a sabbatical. Um, but first and foremost, uh, I, I want to make sure you hear this. What I'm going to share with you, I am not pointing fingers and blaming anyone. I'm not complaining. I'm not going to say this is the church's fault. I'm not going to say this was my parents' fault. I'm going to open up to you uh, 12 weeks of heart surgery. And I want you to, 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 to just listen in and don't come away uh, with, hey, this is going to work for Ryan, it's going to work for me, and it's none of that. Uh, there's no handles in this time of just opening up my heart to you, so there's going to be no points to follow along with. There's no bullet points in what I'm going to share with you. This is just, I'm sharing with you what, uh, specifically with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit did in my life. Uh, in three months, started to do in three months. And with that being said, I just wanted to just say thank you so much uh, to Joe, uh, to our elders, and to you all uh, for allowing me to be blessed with a sabbatical. Um, uh, it was a thing I thought would never happen because I wasn't the campus pastor. And you're like, all right, so what happened? Um, first and foremost, I want to go back and tell you who I am, and then I'm going to tell you what my role is here, and it's all going to mix together. So let me tell you and start by this. I was born in, in central Pennsylvania in Redneck. I'm a redneck. Uh, have been, always will be. You can't take the redneck out of the redneck. You can take him out of, you know what I'm saying. Country western people here, you know what I'm saying. I had the privilege of, my, my parents got saved before I was born. Right before I was born, uh, God changed their life. They got saved in a conference at, at Messiah College in 1967. Uh, that was a life-altering direction for me. And then my life was altered again. Uh, so that was 1967 and 1987. My life was altered again at Messiah College. It changed the trajectory of my life because that's when I met Michelle. It's like, can you believe that? God changed my life spiritually and then he also, at the same spot, gave me my bride at Messiah. And I'm just being able to slow down and say, God, is so good. But being brought up in a Christian home, I was taken to really solid biblical teaching churches. Uh, my, my mom made sure we were part of child evangelism. It was through child evangelism that I was saved. I was taught what it's like to work hard. My, my, my parents were hard workers. I was taught in my home what it's like to have to uh, invite people in to have meals. Uh, to know what it's like when people knock on your door to say, uh, hey, I need help. I watched my parents comfort many of my cousins and, and, and uh, people like that. When they were hurt, they would come to my mom and dad. Uh, I saw what it was like to open up your home to have meals. I saw what it was like uh, to have fun and to laugh. Um, all of that, it was awesome, and I'm so blessed. But there was always a, broken, there was a brokenness in my family too, and I'm going to get to that. But I took all of that 
And some of you are like, hey, that makes sense. You're a community groups pastor, right? Now I can see what happened. Um, But I'm going to confess to you by nature, I am a doer. I'm a fixer. I love serving people. And I struggle with perfectionism. So put all that together. How did it get me to the spot where I needed to take a break? When I first started here, my wife and I helped start this. Uh, we were part of the, the folks that came down to the 4-H. Just stayed on the sidelines, and God slowly started inviting us to, to step in. I was running my own business. Joe's like, hey, yeah, we want to get the community groups going. Running my own business. How about you help us get it started? <laughs> it's like, what does a doer say? Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, it got to the point where it's growing so much and a lot, of thing, a lot of good things were happening. And he goes, hey, I want you to come on board part-time. It's like, sure. So run a business full-time? Any business owner operators here? Put another part-time job on top. And I was loving it. I was loving it. Because, again, I'm a doer. I'm a worker. I'm a fixer. And, uh, and it just kept going. It was so much fun. And then it just kept growing more, and then it came up again. And got, and Joe's like, hey, we're to the spot. Can you, can you put your business on hold? Stop that and, and step into here as a community groups pastor, which I did. Well, that, that was a lot of work, <laughs> and I enjoyed it. Still enjoy it at times. <laughs> um, but as I grow, it, we're growing. It's, it's good stuff. The, uh, so that's my main role. Uh, the Renew Ministries that have been started up. You, you want to know whose plate that's on right now? My plate, of course I can do this. I got relationships, I've been, and all of that. Again, got it. A couple years ago, you know, we went through a transition. This building, because you guys know my background and helped fit this out the first time, guess whose plate that came back to? Me. That doesn't count for, hey, Ryan, can you meet with this person? Can you do this funeral? All the other stuff that you, that I do that, People have no idea. I do a lot of stuff nobody knows about. And again, I'm not boasting. I'm not bragging. I just want to let you know as a doer and a fixer all this stuff that I was doing. And then what happened? I want to share with you um, some warning lights that started going off in me. Over the past couple of years, I just dreaded getting up and coming to work. At home is usually where it leaked out. <laughs> I gave so much to you all that I had nothing left for my wife. I didn't know how to talk to her anymore. Basic things. Hey, Ryan, what, what, do, you want to, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go to eat tonight? I don't, I don't care. You make that decision. Hey, what do you think we should do with this money? I'm thinking maybe we should do it here. Michelle, whatever you want, I would come home and detach. I watched my family play games and laugh and giggle and be stupid and silly. I couldn't do that. And this is going on and on and on and on. And uh, my wife goes, you guys know Michelle? Yeah, she's the better part of this relationship. You all know that. She goes, Ryan, you need a sabbatical. <laughs> it's like, that'll never happen. But my soul was crying to just stop and breathe. It'll never happen. It's what I told myself because I'm not, quote, unquote, a senior pastor. So I just kept trudging along and trudging along. And I got to the point where last fall I sat down with Randy Johnson. You guys remember Randy? I go on sabbatical and he runs away. I guess I chased him out. 
about he, he goes, I just remember be, being at his fire pit. And I said, Randy, can I talk to you? And I just sat down and opened up my heart and told him where I was struggling with the energy, the lack of joy, the peace, anger. I had anger that could come out under stupid things, not people, but it was the little things that would set me off. And we're going to get to that pretty soon. That'll be a treat to share. Um, and as I gave him my heart, he goes, Ryan, do you ever think about a sabbatical? It's <laughs> like, well, as you say that, Michelle's been saying that for over a year. He goes, uh, the weight of ministry has caught you. And as soon as he said the weight of ministry caught me, it was like, that's it. I'm carrying weight that I was never intended to carry, but didn't know it. See, I could preach, be still. I could encourage you guys to be still. I mean, I could, I could help and equip and share and counsel, but I slowly started taking on the weight of ministry. And my family paid the price. But out of God's goodness, he led me to Randy. Randy said, hey, you need to talk to Joe. It's like, oh, my gosh, he's got enough on his plate. We've been doing some crazy transitioning last year. He's got enough on his plate. And I sat down with Joe. It's like, Ryan, let's make it happen. This is what I learned. This is what we're going to do for you. It took several months to say, you know what, here's the target date. Take three months off. Literally, Joe said, you need three months off. I learned that the hard way. And uh, don't do a lot. And I was just like, you ever get to that spot in life where you feel you can breathe for the first time? I was like, God, you're so good. The, the, uh, what God taught me is the, the title I want to just share with you is this whole time God was saying, Ryan, I know what you need when you need it. And I finally got to the spot where it's just like, I need it. <laughs> and you guys help provide that, just not for me, but for my, my family, my relationship with my wife. And now as I'm bringing back what God has done in me, there's three things going into the sabbatical that I knew I needed to do. That was rest. It was to have fun. <laughs> and it was to heal. I remember the last, um, the last day I pulled off of the parking lot here. I remember driving out and I was thinking, you know what? If I wouldn't come back here, next is going to be fine. They don't need me. And at that moment, God the Father was reminding me, oh, by the way, Ryan, I don't need you. Now, as a doer, when you hear those words, I don't need you, you're like, he's rejecting me. I did not feel rejection. He said, I don't need you, but I love you. So you're taking a doer, a self-proclaimed doer, from 150 miles an hour. What am I going to do? Do you have your sabbatical planned? I had one plan in mind. I did not want to do a thing. And he said, that's okay, because I know what you need when you need it. He didn't say, I don't love you. He said, I don't need you. Pulling off of here was the, probably the most terrifying thing I've ever done, because I had no idea. You know when the Bible talks about living one day at a time? 
We went back to that spot. And uh, one of the things that was on my heart is to take a sabbatical. I was, I was hoping Michelle and I could do it together, but God, my, my wife has her own business and I could see her work catching up with her. She's a counselor and God's doing something in her heart. And uh, he blessed us to go away up to a mountain house. And uh, people asked, what did you do? I said, well, we went up to a lake house. Michelle took her Bible. Michelle took a book to read, you know, and hang out with her loving father. I took a stack of Clive Cussler novels and my Bible. And for the first time in my life, again, as God the Father, he said, Ryan, what do you want to do? What do you need to bring life into you? What are those things that breathe life into you? He says, that's what I want you to do. As a father, when you have kids, if you don't have kids yet, you're going to get to this point in life. Remember when you're, you're, you're a dad and you just want to hang out with your kids? You, they do absolutely nothing, but you enjoy their presence. You like having them around you. God's like, can we go back there? So I went away for a week, the first week, and... Uh, I would get up and read Clive Custler novels from the time I got up to the time I went to bed. And it was, the, it was awesome. It was so life-giving, reading about nothing but a fun book. And I'm looking over, and like, there's Michelle. She's got her Bible open in her journal, and she's writing down, and God's working on her heart. I'm just like, what's wrong with me? Because, you know, we're supposed to, the only way we get close to God is by, you know, being in his word, right? This is so counterintuitive. And as a dad, he said, Ryan, are you enjoying what you're doing? I said, you know I am. Then don't worry about what I'm doing with your wife. You don't have to do anything. R- read your book. I'm here with you while you're reading your book. So what did we do for a week? I read books. We went for walks. We learned how to cook together. We washed, rinsed, and repeat, and we did all of this. That weekend, we were invited to come home. My, my middle daughter, Megan, is, is a... Is, Involved in a church, a house church plan in Lidditz. Yeah, it's a shocker, isn't it? One of my kids involved in small group stuff. Uh, and she goes, Dad, can you, can you and Mom come out? Can you come? I want you to meet and see what we're doing. Uh, we're praying for you. I'm just like, oh, man. I had no desire to step inside a church for 12 weeks. In fact, I, I, I didn't. I couldn't. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit as well. But um, So we went out. And uh, it was awesome. It was awesome because, and we went out there, and at the end of the night, and Megan and the leadership team came around us and said, Hey, can we pray for you? Because they were already praying for us. I didn't know it. Uh, people came just to meet us that night. And again, it's just all humbling. I'm not boasting, I'm just humbled about how much God loves me and says, Hey, Ryan, I know what you need when you need it. So at the end, they started praying over us. And they started praying in tongues, and uh, one guy started saying, I got something from the Lord for you, Ryan. And I said, well, what is it? He said, there's this wall, and this guy's working on the bottom of the wall. Mind you, he says, he's not throwing out the wall. What you've done is fine. Again, a perfecter, a doer needs to hear that, right? Because doers are like, if you don't like any of this, we just throw it all away. We take our bags and balls, and we go home. I didn't know it at the time, but he was speaking to who I am, because there's going to be work down here that you, that's all that's going to happen. And then my wife, 
uh, some, another lady said, hey, I got a passage from the Lord for you. And as he read it, and as she read it, we were just like, you have no idea what's going on. These people never met us before. They were praying over us and uh, giving us words of encouragement and prophecy for what we just watched that week. The past week was coming to a fruition. I'm just like, God's like, Ryan, I know what you need when you need it. It just so happened that the, the lake house was available the following week and we got to go up and what did I do? I read Clive Custler. I went for walks. We cooked and just learned again the idea of just being in, in, in God's presence. Again, this is so counterintuitive. Uh, I'm just like, I'm not used to doing this type of stuff. Like to meet God, you got to do X, Y, and Z. And God's like, can we just learn how to do life together? I just want to be in your presence. And uh, I, I come home, literally there's no agenda. How God spoke to me the loudest in my sabbatical, there was four areas in our property that I've always put off. There was the closet in my office. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing at that? Uh, there was our shed in the back of the yard. Uh, there was my library. <laughs> Why is that so funny? You all know where I'm going here, don't you? And there was my garage where I, when I had my business, there was everything there. And I was just like, you know what? I, can, I, can I go and clean out the shed? And God's like, what do you mean can you go? But it's not as important as preparing a sermon or discipling. And God's like, oh, my son. Let's go clean out your shed. I made a switch. I don't know when it happened to becoming a professional Christian and separating, quote unquote, the sacred and the ministry with just common everyday life. And God the Father says, Can we work on that now? I said, Sure. He says, I'm going to remind you, Ryan. I know what you need when you need it. I was, um, you guys know me, I was very disciplined with getting up in the morning and spending extended amounts of time with God. I couldn't even do that. In fact, Psalm 51.7 is where I stopped reading large amounts of time with the Bible. If we can bring that up, I just want to read this with you. Uh, David is running away from King Saul, who after, if you followed David's life, he was promised to be a king, and now he's running from Saul, who's trying to take his life for, the, I think, the second or third time. And can you imagine the angst and the promises and all that coming together? And he sat down and he wrote this. He said, be gracious to me, God. Be gracious to me, for I take refuge in you, and I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. I read that that verse, and I never picked up my Bible again for extended periods of time. Why? Because I'm a doer, and God the Father said, there's other ways to me. And I know this sounds counterintuitive, and I can't believe I'm saying this out loud to you all, but again, this is the process that I had to go through. And I stopped on take refuge in the shadow of your wings. What does a bird do under the shadow of a an adult bird, it waits and does absolutely nothing. <laughs> For the first time, I felt that God was saying, I give you permission to just be with me. I do not need you. 
I want to love you. And to start going through, if you put both together, I'm decluttering stuff in my house that my wife was excited. It's like, <laughs> so you know who the clean was in a relationship. I, I collect a little bit, I guess. I don't know. But I had a business. You always collect if you have your business. You know what I'm saying? But as I went through, I'm getting rid of stuff, and there's emotions, there's memories. And the whole time, God's like, you remember that? Yeah. I was there. Remember how I provided for you? Oh, here's your pictures of your kids. We would just have this, this, this talk going on. He would just remind me. He's like, you, you don't need that anymore. That fax machine, right? <laughs> you, you really don't need fax machines anymore. All those, you don't need all this stuff. Throw it away. And as we're throwing it away, we were putting like two and three and four uh, toters out at a time. Our neighbors thought we were moving. It was awesome. Yeah, you guys moving? Not as not as you had any idea what's going on. There's movement, but there's something you have no idea. And just to have the joy and the peace. And so God started interacting with me interpersonally. It's like in a relationship, you know somebody, and then you sort of get intimate, and then there's union. God was working on the union part, and the union part just happened by me just doing ordinary things, not ministry things. He knows what you need when you need it. I remember going back to my shed and, uh, oh my gosh, I put stuff in there when we moved in there 10 years ago. And I was like, start chucking stuff. I uh, started chucking stuff, building shelves. And I remember I so, you know, just enjoyed, I spilled, built a special platform. You guys remember kerosene heaters back you know what I mean? The kerosene heaters, we used to heat our house. I built a special section for kerosene heaters. And I was proud of myself for doing that. They fit. Why are you laughing, Keith? I was so proud of myself because I built a special spot until the Lord sent my neighbor over. He said, what have you been doing, Rye? And he looks around. This is pretty cool. I like what you did. Those kerosene heaters. He goes, I remember them from the 90s. And as soon why are you guys laughing? You know what happened? Those kerosene, I was so proud of them. And God's like, Rye, chuck them. Put them on my, my, uh, my, my uh, truck. I had six, ended up with 600 pounds of metal that I took to the, to the uh, scrapyard. And uh, the whole time, God's saying, hey, Ryan, I know what you need when you need it. You ever been to a scrapyard to take metal? No offense, but they're, they're, they're miserable people. <laughs> they, they are. I don't know what it is. And if you work at a scrapyard, I'm sorry, you can change my mind. <laughs> but God's like, as I'm going there, it's like, it's okay, Ryan. I'm, I'm here with you. And my son said, oh, Dad, you're going to get a flat tire. And God's like, it, the father's like, if you do, don't you think I can't fix it? And it's that ability just to keep slowing down more, to allow him to speak to me and just have peace going to the scrapyard. My, my wife was all excited because I have a good friend who's still in the business, and he took a slew of metal, copper, to the scrapyard. Let's, let's say 600 pounds of copper is a different investment than 600 pounds of scrap metal. So I, I went back, had my truck loaded up, went there, and last piece I put on was a treadmill. You got, who has a treadmill in your house that's been sitting there in your garage for five years and you never use it? I can tell you what you can do with those now. 
And God's like, why? Why do you even have this? So I took that there, and they're like, we'll take everything but that. I was like, it's mostly metal. No, we can't take it. It's like, oh, all right, Lord, breathe. He's like, hey, right. And I got this, this another impression. He's like, I wonder if the price of the metal is going to cover what he wants me to do next, which was go and get mulch. You guys like spreading mulch at your house? I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't enjoy it. Um, that mowing grass, if, that's a side, sidebar, but as I'm coming out of the scrapyard, the Lord's like, I know what you need when you need it. Just, it's okay. Went back home, hooked up the trailer, went to the mulch uh, distributor, said, hey, can I have two and a half yards? Does it all fit? It's the only thing that's going to fit in the trailer. And I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. We only do it in what? Yards. I said, okay, give me, give me three and uh, I changed my mind. I said, you know what? Can you just heap two? He's like, yes. So when he heaped two yards of mulch and gave me the ticket, guess what happened? It was the price of what I got for my metal. Now, am I hurting for money? Not at all. That's not the picture. What I'm telling you is this message that God has been telling me. I know what you need when you need it. It's like, God, you're too good. So it was this process as I'm decluttering my house and stepping into things. Oh, the library. Oh, my gosh. One of the first things I did when we moved in, in, into our house is I had uh, my buddy build me custom shelves. I love books. I love books. I love to read. And my wife said, do you really need all those books? <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And she's like, you've got to go through them. So, again, go through something that I was holding on to. And to go through and start getting rid of books, you're like, they're just books. No, they're not. They were something more to me. God's like, um, what if someone needs them? And he uh, very gently, Ryan, can I remind you of one word? Amazon. You can help people find books on Amazon. You don't need to have them. And just the joy, once again, of just taking that step of obedience and getting rid of stuff that I thought I needed. And so as he's doing this, this process, this process continues of just trusting him. And you know, I mean, God spoke to you that much in little things. Yeah, yeah. Still struggling, still struggling. Um, the, the next part is just counterintuitive too. And it's just, it was just weird because I struggled mentally. With, is this even right? How do you do sabbaticals? What are you supposed to do? And I remember that as I'm going through this, um, it was a struggle. In fact, it was in, I was so out of uncharted waters that uh, when we met with this, this older pastor, I met with an older pastor right at the beginning, and he said, Ryan, I want to tell you something. When I first took my sabbatical, it took me five and a half weeks to feel normal. Five and a half weeks. I just didn't feel normal. At one week, didn't feel normal. Two weeks, I figured five and a half weeks, I'm going to start feeling normal. The peace is going to come back. I'm going to be excited to come back to work. All of that. Uh, five and a half weeks came and passed, and I still had no desire uh, to even think about coming back to work or anything. The, the, the excitement was not there yet. It was just like a slow process, and I'm struggling. And people are like, I, have no desire, I had no desire to step inside a church. People ask, some of you ask me, what do you do on sabbatical? Did you go and visit other churches? <laughs> no, not at all. I couldn't. 
And I'm struggling because it sounds so counterintuitive to the Christian life because I've stepped away from community and, and extended times of, of the word. I'm just like, I'm, I'm in uncharted water. And God's like, it's okay. And as I'm struggling, I, I was out in our cul-de-sac and just so happens, quote unquote, God's sovereignty. My next door neighbor is a pastor and he went through a sabbatical uh, a couple of years ago. And he came up to me and said, hey, Ryan, I just, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that God restores your soul. I said, great, can I, can, how are you doing? I said, I'm struggling a little bit. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I said, Andrew, I have no desire to be in church, to be around church people, and I have no desire to be in the Bible. And he looked at me and he said, that's exactly where you should be. And again, God was like, Ryan, I know what you need when you need it. Don't read into this and say you shouldn't be reading your Bible. I use that. I use that as a way to say, God, look at me. This is why you love me. And he's like, no, I don't. I don't love you because of that. I love you because of who I am and what I want to give you. So that progressed. So as I'm progressing the rest is coming I can't tell you how many naps I've taken just to sleep I can't tell you how many books I've read I can't tell you what it's like to have my bride walk past the house and see me laying on the couch and reading and saying nothing but just having her full support she didn't say get up do this do that she knew where I was at and she knew what I needed and that was free and it was life-giving so I got to delve into things that were giving me life Uh, I want to share something with you now that's very hard. There was rest that was happening. There was fun starting to come back. But there was a healing aspect that I know God wanted to get at. And then I knew it was coming and then I was scared to do it. You know when you're supposed to go to a doctor, but you're scared to hear the results? On, May, uh, on Memorial Day, I left to go for a fishing trip with some very dear friends, of people that are like family to me, to fish in Minnesota. Uh, all we do is fish. We just get up at O Dark 100 and fish. You sit in the boat and you fish. You don't have to talk. <laughs> You can talk, you don't have to. And you're just surrounded by God's beauty. And it's, it feels, fills my soul. But after, and the fishing was terrible, by the way. Uh, but after that, I went back to my buddy's house, who I've known since we were kids. And uh, I, know, I knew God, the Holy Spirit, was prepping me to begin to, uh, there's going to be some healing that takes place. My buddy, who was a doctor and part-time doctor and half-time, part-time uh, disciple and equipper, equipper of missionary docs, uh, they do a, a thing that's called healing prayer. It's where you sit down with someone and they guide you through, okay, tell me, uh, you know, how do you see the Holy Spirit? Um, and there's three questions like that. Okay, we're just going to sit and listen. Uh, what, what is the Holy Spirit going to bring to mind? It's a process where you allow the Holy Spirit now to come in and start revealing lies 
and strongholds that, believe it or not, help form you to be who you are today. I've been in that, the other chair. <laughs> We're guiding through people through this. It's amazing. I watched God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit do incredible healing. I knew that's what I wanted, but I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I told you uh, I came from a loving family, blessed. I'm a true confession here. I'm so much more comfortable sharing this with people over a table than I am at whole, so I, I feel completely to use the words that Deb just spoke this morning and prayed over me, and again, the same thing. God says, I know what you need when you need it. I feel so completely naked with what I'm going to tell you. I mean no disrespect to my mom. It's not her fault. Or God, I'm not angry with him. But as we're praying, how do you see the, how do you see the Holy Spirit, right? Easy. Ready for this? Joy, peace, and life. Things that I haven't had. I said, all right, let's, where do you want to go? And it was immediately. There's some pain here regarding my mom. All right. I asked the Holy Spirit to take you to the spot that happened. When did this happen? Just like that. Took me to a spot when I was a little boy. And I walked into my mom's, stood in my, my mom's bedroom. Because it was her first attempt had taken her life. And as a little boy, my response to that is when you see the paramedics come in and ambulances and we were taken away and everything my dad did was to try to help us and support a wife and all of that. But as a little boy, I made a vow that said I'm alone. And it's up to me now. I'm all alone. It's my fault. And then you continue to process that and confess sin. It's like, no, that wasn't true. Jesus, where were you? He showed me where he was. And as he's doing this, it's just, there's so much weight being lifted off of me. And, uh, the last thing you ask someone is, what, what truth does Jesus want to give you? And Jesus showed me his hands like this with water. And he says, I want you to drink. I'm not giving you a cup. I want you to drink out of my hands. And it was just like, unbelievable. That's my renewed vision. Jesus is like, you need me. That, that in the beginning... God said, you know, I don't need you. And ever so softly, Jesus said, you need me. It was amazing. Which led me back to Scripture, to John 15, 1 through 5. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes. Every branch that does not bear fruit so that it will do what produce more. He says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. As a doer, you need to hear that. We're not throwing everything out right. We're going after something else. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. 
Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Since I am the vine, you are the branches. No one who remains in me and I in him produces much more fruit because you can do nothing without me. I thought ministry, right? And God's like, oh, no. (laughs) You can do nothing without me. And it's like for the first time, Jesus is like, I want to come back in. You can teach me. You're intimate. But can we get back in union? And it was like, finally, finally. Brought that home. Uh, So that's like three weeks left in my sabbatical. Are you ready to go back to to work? I thought it was. (laughs) Still scared. But what happened? What does it look like? I came home, uh, we went to go see Maverick, and uh, yeah, it's a cool, cool one. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire, that's my song. I learned that song as a high schooler, in fact, I, I played it as a lip sync at, at a camp. I know every word to that song and I could be silly. And my daughter, Emma starts bringing it up after the meal. And I could dance in my kitchen. I can play the countertop like Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, right? Really? It's like, yeah, really? Stuff like that. I can laugh with my daughters again. I couldn't do that before. With Michelle, she's so patient. I used to share with her my heart, learning how to share my heart with her again, learning how to make decisions. Hey, Ryan, uh, what do you think? Where do you want to go? I don't care. No, let's go here. It's just little baby steps. My ears are becoming more open and more attentive to how the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. And it's not big ways, guys. It's little things. It's little things. How else did uh, he heal you? The the, the most amazing part, Uh, I like to golf. Um, but I, I want to show you something for the last 10 years. This was my golf game. This is what happens when Pastor Ryan would go golfing. That makes, is that funny? Yeah, it was funny when my, my golf partner watched it too. They laughed and laughed and laughed. Um, I couldn't golf without getting angry. called Joe my last week and said, hey, Joe, you want to go out golfing? That's like asking someone to breathe oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> Worst golf of my life. It was the most peaceful game I've had in my life. And the whole time I'm golfing, Father God's saying, we're going to play a different game today. It's called, you're going to let my peace come out, and we're just going to enjoy after it takes you six hits to get on a par four. It's incredible, this healing. That was, that was so immediate. I said, that's just a fluke. Let me try it again. So who do you call? Pastor Joe. <laughs> Went out again, and the same thing, same peace. I'm just like, this is what it feels like to just have fun and enjoy. There's no pressure to do, to be, to perfect. Enjoy the game. 
Another area where God tests me, because I'm a fixer and a doer, is this. Um, I, I like to fix things. I like to work on my house. We had a, a flapper in our toilet that went bad. It's, like, it's a flapper. Most of you guys call a plumber. Not me. It's a flapper. Went and got the flapper, put it on, and reached down to turn the shutoff, and the shutoff was broke. You guys ever do this multiple trips to Home Depot? One thing I will tell you, when you're at Home Depot, anything that looks close to what it might, you just buy it all because you can take it back. <laughs> yeah, great. It's a shutoff. What do you do? You turn the water off, you go downstairs, you turn all the water off to your house, and then you cut the supply line. Well, it just so happens my supply line was a half-inch soft copper tube that came out of concrete. It wasn't hard copper. You cannot cut soft copper. And let's just say I got out my, my, blow, my torch, I'm trying to loosen the fittings, and it's just not going. I'm literally burning our linoleum floor. It's not funny. And let's just say I started having words, not with the builder, just with the builder, but with the plumber. And we were, I was sharing some thoughts with him. And all of a sudden, that picture, Ryan, I'm right here with you. But you don't understand. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. There's no way I'm going to call Matt Moore to come here. He'll never come to my house. i got to get this fixed. The water's off. It's in concrete. And I just ran. And all of a sudden, God, Jesus is like, remember, I'm with you. Take a breath. Let's go out to your garage. And I went out to my garage. I didn't throw all my stuff away. I opened up my little, my little plumbing department there. And there were beautiful things in there called shark bites. And the Holy Spirit was like, Ryan, what would you do if you were in Haiti? Because you've been there a lot, remember? He said, you would just slow down and breathe and let me show you how to fix this. And guess what he did? Yeah, our, our toilet now works. Linoleum still burned, but the toilet works. <laughs> and again, it's that process. I know what you need when you need it. That's what happened. Am I there? No, I'm, I'm... I feel like for the first time in ministry, I, have, I went on sabbatical knowing what I was good at in my gifts. I came back here scared to death. In fact, I had to take baby steps. And God was so good. The week before I came back, I met with a, one of the elders at my office in, down the road at the energy station. <laughs> and God knew it. He knew what I needed. We just sat and talked. And later that week, uh, I met with another couple. And God's like, I'm going to help you take baby steps in. He's like, just come down by the building. Stop in. He's like, but I feel so broken. I feel so broken. I remember going on a meeting with Joe, and he's sitting talking to this dude and asking these questions. I'm like, how, I, I, how do you do that? And uh, it, it leads me to this last passage that I want to share with you, because this is where I'm at now, and this is my heart. I thought I knew it, but I don't know it like I do now. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10, Paul said this, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast about all the more about what? How good of a community group's pastor am or a leader or fought? No, 
I'm going to boast about my weakness so that the Christ's power may reside in me. So I take, I take pleasure in weakness and hardships and persecution and the difficulty for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What did God do for the last three months? He opened up my heart and said, can we go back to some foundation principles? And I want you to understand and relearn. I know what you need when you need it. But more than that, he showed me once again what it's like to have union with the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. (laughs) And he showed me how to laugh. He is so good to us. There's a lot of good things going on at Next. You can see God's hand. But I want to encourage you with this. We need Jesus. We need to abide in Jesus. We need to invite him, just not here on Sundays, but on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays. Whether you're sitting here listening to a sermon in a community group, at your store, cranking on somebody's pipes, whatever it is, Jesus is saying, I, I, I want all in. And it's a sweet place to be. So thank you for the gift that you've given me and my family to be still and know 